It is summer in the Northern Hemisphere. That means time for a little more leisure time, a little more hanging out, and a little more art gallery visiting. Today we're going to discuss what exhibitions people are excited about and what they are planning next in their art calendar. Artist Journal, July 12, 2023, broadcasting live from Berlin and New York City via Rug Radio on Twitter Spaces. My name is Adrian Pocabelli, and we welcome back co-host, artist, and conversationalist to the show, Runtune. How is your week going? Hey there. It's been a good week. Um, had a nice amount of time to create some art, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, curious to see uh, what galleries and which shows everyone's going to be uh, talking about today. Well, so am I. And I guess, uh, well, first of all, I think it's wonderful that you're able to create some art this week. That's always, uh, that always makes it a good week in my book, books, no matter how, you know, no matter how tough a week might be. If you make some art, it sort of, it redeems it, shall we say. And uh, I'm pretty excited too, actually, to hear what people are checking out. I mean, I've hardly, hardly had time to check out anything. Uh, you know, I was looking online here beforehand just to see what is going on in the city other than, you know, the odd gallery show that a friend is doing, you know, putting on and that sort of thing. But I haven't actually, you know, I guess I went to a museum in Munich, but that was probably the last time I actually, you know, went to a big exhibition. Uh, how about yourself? Have, have you been, uh, I mean, New York, there must be a million things. Are, are you able, are, are you able to get out? Uh, have you seen anything? Yeah, I'm able to get out, uh, not as frequently as I'd like. I mean, I'm sure New York is just like Berlin, where at any given moment, there's a show that you've been meaning to go see or you want to see. I feel like there's always a show that's, you know, what usually gets me into a gallery or a space, though, is when I see that it's, you know, a show's almost on its way out. And I'm like, OK, I got it. I got to <laughs> finally do this. Um, and I've, I've missed a couple shows, uh, but um Oh, and I had the most bizarre experience at the uh, the photography center in the Lower East Side. I was there with a friend last week, and it was pouring rain. And we get there, and we're totally soaked. And we're like, are they even going to let us in here? Because we were quite literally drenched. Um, we go up to the front. It's, you know, these two younger girls are working the door. They're like, oh, yeah, feel free to go in. So we pay for our tickets in there. And then about 20 minutes into the exhibition, and I'm seeing all this fantastic photography by, you know, photographers I've never heard of, by the greats like Nan Golden, um, and the alarms start going off. And then people are like exiting the building or exiting the gallery. And we're like, you know what? I don't see any, like, unless someone's going to tell us to get out of here, we're just going to like hang out and check out these photos. So that's what we did. I just had my like hands over my ears to like, keep me from being bothered by the the alarm and then eventually someone's like okay yeah we have to actually we all have to evacuate and we're all going down these stairs and people are like so what's going on what what exactly is happening and they wouldn't tell us what was happening they're like uh you know just uh you, they they were just like so vague about it and we're all in the lobby like wondering like well what the heck is going on like you're you're making us kind of freaked out and they wouldn't tell us and then someone's like well are we allowed to leave he's like you can leave if you want to. 
And so we left. I was like, I don't know what's going Like in my head, there was like an active shooter somewhere in the gallery. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Uh, and it's like when people don't tell you, it just makes it like a hundred times oh, exactly. worse. You just then start you... thinking of the worst things possible. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. That being said, I still have to, I have to go back there and, and have a normal gallery experience. Um, did you ever find out what the issue was? No, I never found out. But, you know, it, there was nothing terrible in the news. So I'm assuming it was just something related to the weather or a faulty alarm. Yeah. How is the weather in New York? I imagine it's pretty hot. I mean, oh, here is. we've started to get it's hot. Yeah. You, is it? Yeah. You know, like you're hearing, I don't know if you saw those news stories that it's like the hottest days of the earth, oh, like yeah. in the earth history or have you seen yeah, that yeah like the last three days have been the hottest in on record and the average i think they said that the average world temperature was 65 degrees fahrenheit gosh and what is i almost spilled my water here what is that in yeah, celsius here I'm, it's such a funny thing my mom goes to phoenix in the winters and so she starts using fahrenheit now so it's uh, it sounds 18, hot though. I mean here 18 and sorry? a third degrees Celsius. Wow. And that includes like the Arctic, the yeah. Antarctica, and everything. That wow. It's kind of scary. It scary. I mean, we hear all these our entire lives we've heard of these stories of how there's global warming and uh well, I mean, look, I mean there's still uh I guess it's like the hottest since like nineteen forty one or something. I thought, but I guess it's the hottest ever. So all to say when things go from abstraction to reality, it, it is a little bit uh, jarring, shall we say. So welcome, everybody. The room's starting to fill up here. And it is basically an open line session. So it's your chance to come out and actually just say a few words if you're a little shy. and Or if you're not, say a lot of words. And we're totally open here as far as, you know, I'm kind of curious just to hear what people are excited about. And what is going on in other cities out here? And uh, also, if you're working on series or you're going to put on a show, feel free to uh, mention that as well. Just put a request to speak. And I may prank some of you, including Dr. Version, who always has such an interesting perspective on everything and is always checking out something cool. Uh, so I will also send out some prank uh, invites to come on stage as well. So... Runtune, so you went to the photography show. Now, I don't know if I quite caught what was in the photography show. Like, did you, were you excited about what you saw? I have to confess, I'm not a huge photography guy. Like, I, it's never my idea to go to a photography uh, exhibition, generally, maybe once in a while, but it's pretty rare. Uh, were you excited by what you saw? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, uh, I was kind of distracted for a lot of it, but I was seeing a lot of really cool stuff um, by photographers both familiar and unfamiliar. Um, granted, I was only really in there for like 15 minutes before things got weird. Um, but I, I liked what I saw. And I, I, there was, I think there was two whole floors that I, um, that I didn't get to, uh, to check out. Uh, but one of my favorite shows that I've seen this summer was when I was in Miami a couple of weeks ago, there was this uh, Leandro Ehrlich exhibit I don't, i'm not sure if you're familiar maybe some people in the audience are familiar he's from argentina i believe but uh he's he's been in all those like venice biennials and stuff like that uh mostly i think installation based work uh with some 
stuff like prints and stuff that he's done as well uh but really fun work like very there's there's like a, a sense of humor to a lot of it um and a lot of what he does is take something super familiar and kind of plays with your head <laughs> about the this familiar thing so he'll take things like an elevator or a uh like a, a barbershop or um you know your apartment door and he'll do something kind of interesting with it so for instance there was uh one part of the exhibition that was uh i think it was called um it was something like neighbor across the hall or something like that or or next door neighbor or some so, something to that effect and essentially what it was is there was this little wall that would pop out and you could see on both sides of the wall and on either side of the wall was uh, a matching uh, brown wooden door with the little like looking glass through the the little like spy hole through the through the center and when you would look through the 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 little spy hole to see what's out there you'd see that same door across what looked like an expansive hallway but it was really just like a thin wall so he'll do things like that and it was it's just you know it's one of those things that just kind of makes you laugh just kind of messes with your head a little bit yeah. sounds like yeah you know i love that and what was i just thinking about recently and welcome to er dice and dr version to the stage oh this is what i was gonna say and i mean kind of just as far as messing with the head i do like that you know in terms of when you make a piece to i like confusing the uh viewer if possible like i remember like for example i remember i would print uh, I would paint white on colored paper and then I'd print over top of it, say the picture of like, let's say a Raphael painting, and then I'd use marker. And so that would cover most of the orange paper and there'd be white bleeding through. And where the margin was, I would color it white, for example. And if you follow me, and so it looked like a white piece of paper, even though it was a colored piece of paper. So it's kind of confusing all to say. And I, I came across another one of those examples today. I was playing with these kind of, again, AI remixes, really, of previous works. And what was funny is they have all these masks over top. And I was like, well, I'd almost like to have this where I have the uh, original work underneath and I could screen print the mask over top. So I brought in Photoshop beta with the generative fill. And sure enough, it started filling in beautifully uh, the parts of the painting that were missing. And I just thought, how strange would that be if I then... I don't know if you guys are following me, but if I printed that out and then screen printed the mask over top, that would just be like the most messed up thing ever. And I, so anyway, <laughs> all to say, I'm a huge fan of kind of confusing because there's an aesthetic appreciation, I think, that comes with kind of the riddle of not knowing how it was made and how did they do this? And there's kind of something just a little bit extra special. When yeah. That happens. Do you get that? I thing? think I think that's always, you know, especially it's it especially appeals I think to artists who are looking at artwork. I know that anytime that I see something and I kind of get lost on the trail of how it was made, it makes me pay attention to it a lot more. I mean, that's essentially why I, I, I um, found art Mater and uh, mm. it was that Matthew stone exhibition. And I could not figure out how a certain piece of artwork was made. And I had to ask someone at the gallery and they pointed me to, uh, to art Mater. 
a fateful day for both of yeah. us then, that question <laughs> yeah. that you dared ask. Uh, Erdice, uh, Erdice, how, how do I pronounce your name, Erdice? Where are you calling from? I'm not sure. Have you been on stage before? Welcome to the show. Hey, Pokebelly, thanks. Yeah, I'm actually tuning in from Boston. It's like 9.30 in the morning here, but I was pretty excited to join. Um, and yeah, hello. <laughs> um, hello yeah, I go by Akira Dice for most of the, most of the time. Um, You're Dice? Yeah, just, just using ER e Dice right now because uh, I just got married and have a new middle name. <laughs> so it's technically Elias Rodriguez dice but yeah you can just say er dice that's cool <laughs> well congratulations <laughs> um, that's that's pretty exciting you just got married thank you yeah it was uh, on july 2nd um wow big congratulations yeah. uh thank was you it, so much was it a outdoor wedding indoor give us a little bit of details here yeah it was indoor um at an event space in uh somerville massachusetts and it was pretty great um Ooh. we just you know we we're, we're both trans identified. So we were trying to do something that was, you know, a little less, uh, less traditional, trying to figure it out ourselves, you know, and came up with uh, kind of a lot of gags that we wanted. We had our friend open up with a princess bride joke. Mowage, Mowage is what brings <laughs> us together. <laughs> oh man. That, but, sounds, um, that sounds hilarious. It was, it was pretty hilarious. But uh, yeah, I wanted to actually, uh, I, I uh, recently sold um, one of the most expensive pieces I had listed. It was a one one of a ceramic piece that my husband made. He's a master ceramicist and he went to school for it at uh, Massachusetts of Fine Arts as well as the University of Delaware. And so the buyer didn't have a Twitter associated with their account. And I thought, oh, who is this? Well, it turns out they found my email, got in touch with me and said, um, cause I said, whoever buys this NFT will receive the actual vase. Um, so they emailed me and said like, Hey, I bought this vase from you. And I thought, Oh my God, like fantastic. They're actually going to get it. It wasn't just some random bot that got the NFT. Wow. Um, that's so cool. So yeah, uh, thank you. And you know, I've, I've like, I've built a website, you know, for my husband to sell our, or sell his ceramics and you know it's something that i help him do when i'm not doing my job and he has markets and stuff like that and kind of like you were saying about how you know people get lost in not knowing the process of things you know we have ceramics which is the oldest art of all time right you know ever since humans needed to carry water and food and yet totally. people are constantly coming up to our tables you know asking questions like did you make these you know, or how do you make this? And it's quite fascinating, you know, like you say, to be, you know, in 2023, yet we are so used to acquiring like all of our cups and plates and, you know, necessities from places like Ikea that we've lost touch with, like such an old art. Um, but that being said, um, currently in Boston, one of the most exciting exhibits that we have at the Institute of Contemporary Art is... Uh, Simone Lay, who is one of the most um, important and largest uh, black uh, feminist ceramicists in the world. Um, and they have uh, her first, like her first viewings from a Venice collection um, on display. And I mean, these pieces of ceramic and bronze are humongous. 
so if you get a chance to look up Simone Lay, uh, that show is phenomenal. We just recently had Hokusai at the Museum of Fine Arts, which was oh, awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm they, looking up Simone Lay yeah. right now, and yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, almost um, like traditional sort of like, uh, for lack of a better term, African type sculpture look, look and feel to it. Which, yes. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Um, so interesting. And you're just saying Hakusai, uh, like, yeah, yeah, I'm such a huge fan actually. I mean, really, and like a huge influence on Van Gogh, I think, interestingly, if I remember correctly, I mean, those Japanese prints were mm -hmm. huge. And it seems like it's almost like, you know, the inter, like, it's almost like graphic design a little bit. It was like almost like printmaking, you know, this sort of thing. And then it inspires someone like Van Gogh. And then it just, you just almost have to reassess everything because probably those bright colors and even the compositions uh, probably had a huge impact on one of the great, you know, quote unquote, high artists or fine artists in the, in history. Absolutely. And I can see how, too. I mean, when seeing them in person, it's just some of the greatest art I have ever seen. Um, and it was kind of funny because it's always like the most famous paintings, I guess, always wind up being a lot smaller than I expect them to be. You know, the Great Wave was only about, you know, like eight by 11. But they had this humongous Lego version of the painting behind it that was almost even more exciting than the painting itself they made this like sort of like six by six foot 3d lego model of it that if you get to see a picture of that as well it was radical um and the last thing that i wanted to mention that the museum of fine arts did here um up until march 14th of 2023 they were trying to sell nfts in partnership with La Collection. Um, and so they were selling NFTs by, you know, artists like Monet and Degas and Millet. Um, however, it didn't seem to be as, as popular as they thought it was going to be, I think, because they kept trying to sort of shill, but their audience and their, you know, their members are kind of an older audience. So you can tell they were really trying <laughs> to get people in emails to understand the notion of making a wallet and buying, you know, uh, official NFTs of this real art, right? Um, <laughs> which I did grab a couple myself because they were under $100. And I thought, well, I would love to own, you know, a Degas. <laughs> right, yeah. but uh, it didn't seem to catch on. Uh, you can still, you know, find information about them, but it's supposed to give you a bunch of benefits in the future at the museum. So I thought that was kind of a cool notion, you know, for some museums that are trying to stay relevant and dip their toes into the digital space. I was wondering if you've seen that too. Well, it, I mean, a lot of thoughts are crossing my mind here. Like, here's a museum that's copy minting. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess they put they, they put utility on it, I guess. Right. Uh, but I was Very just thinking, true. like, I mean, imagine if we did that, you know, or if I had a work that I owned of someone else's and then I started releasing an NFT. Now, maybe they had other details on that and said, hey, this is part of the museum collection. And as such, you will have access to the uh, to the, you know, coffee shop uh, 
ten percent off or whatever the utility of the day is. You have to you have um, to but... wonder what kind of conversations were happening with the museum to uh, to make them do that. You know, it's probably been years in the works. Like yeah. it was probably back in twenty twenty one, where it's like, okay, we have to do NFTs yeah. or we're going to be left behind. And they finally roll it out, you know, like in early twenty twenty three, let's say, and then it's sort of like, and then they don't even really, you know, it's almost. It, it sounds, looks, feels, and sounds a little bit like institutional thinking a little bit, you know, um, but hard to say. I mean, yeah. what do you think you, you're a dice? I mean, are you, are you happy with your product? Are you happy with a purchase? You know, I am. And I kind of wanted, I am someone who definitely gets uh, delighted by experimentation and experimental thought. And I, I, I was cracking up the, at the fact that you were saying copy minting. Because now that you say that, I think that it, that is basically what they're doing. They're not getting the permission of Claude Monet to like, mint his work. Um, we'd be, I'd be run out of town if I did something like that. Like, I mean, all of us would be. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and even I, I've even, you know, some artists that I love, like say, say Kyle Flemmer, for example, you know, does some some analog glitch clips of like uh, from the Pokemon uh, show. And I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, I love that. But gee, if I bought it, like, could I get sued? And it's something I didn't think about when I got this art. Um, but like you said, if the, if the utility wasn't behind it, I wouldn't have been interested. I was just mm -hmm. curious. I, I was mainly curious with like, oh, what is this? What is this going to do? Right? Because it's not like I am going to like humble brag when people come over like, oh, yes, I own a Degas. Like, it's almost a little more kind of ironic and funny to me. <laughs> um, but also, There's my then, yeah, you're right. It's like I'm also kind of laughing at the fact that it was kind of a flop for them, because whereas I thought it was kind of a cool idea and like, oh, my God, well, if only 100 copies of this real painting are going to exist, then that makes these 100 copies right, just like the next most valuable in line. And I was like, well, where is this going to go, though? Right. Um, so I'm curious, uh, you know, they've, they have yet to do more with it, but, um, we'll see. <laughs> well, pretty fascinating. Keep us updated on that, Eurydice, and feel free to stay on stage here. And thank you for contributing. Uh, and let, let, let's get back to you, uh, later on in the conversation. Uh, let's bring Dr. Dr. Version on stage here. Uh, Dr. Version, how are you doing? I assume you're in Florida right now. I am in Florida back in Florida. It's hot here. Um, I have been mostly offline, so it's great to see you, Pokebelly and Runetune. I was traveling for three weeks in Europe, which was fantastic. Had such a good time, and it makes me envious of European life. Where I all did you go? Don't like driving a car. <laughs> and I miss the city. But I miss New York because I moved there last August. But yeah, that's what's going on with me. Well, yeah, tell us about your trip. I think Runetune was asking too. Uh, and and whatever, I, I think I saw you at the Pompidou and you yes. were taking pictures of CryptoPunks. So, and, and I agree with you, like having lived in three North American cities before moving to Europe, like I'll never go back. Like, I mean, it, it, North American cities are pretty harsh in, in retrospect, you know, like it's not, uh, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah New culture. York's not an easy town, obviously, but it has, you know. Just the walkability, the scale of a city for a human. Um, yeah, New York is a special case for sure and worth the harshness of, a, you know, 
but yeah, I mean, compared to Toronto was like, my God, I just, uh, you have to buy a car. I, I literally bought a car so I could get to work. And then my work ended up paying was so that I could pay for my car. And, and it was, like I had like this really weird situation where I was basically working to pay for my car. And it was just like, this is ridiculous, you know? So anyway, yeah. uh, I'm, one of my happiest days of my life was actually selling my car before I moved out here. Uh, but anyways, tell us about your trip and what were your uh, more reflections on your trip to Europe? Yeah. So, you know, it was with uh, my wife and my five-year-old daughter. So it's not necessarily a vacation, even though she's a trooper and really great traveler. Um, you know, we take her around to art museum and she was into drawing and, you know, she was really taking it all in. So I feel really lucky that we got to go. And specifically at the Pompidou, there was an installation by uh, some artists. I have the the uh, little flyer right here that I grabbed. I don't know if I can say their names right, but um, y- Yvonne Cladat and Coco Pepe- P- Petit de Perry. Uh, <laughs> I'm murdering that, but they're sculptors, performers, choreographers. And when you walk into the Pompidou, it's up on the second floor and literally we spent two hours there. It's like this foam neoprene sculpture that the kids can interact with. There's all these different pieces they can build stuff with and nothing specific. It's all about using their imagination. And my daughter loved it. I loved it too. The colors were incredible. So it was like this immersive playground for kids, but also adults in some way because it was beautiful. Um, were were you able to drop off your kid in a sense so that you kind of go on your own? Like, because no. like, I imagine it's quite a challenge uh, going to museums with like younger children at times. Hey, yeah, she, you know, my wife would go out because I wanted to spend some time there, so it was it was great, and you know, she would take her to a playground down the street or whatever. Paris is excellent for that, and all we're in Madrid too. The just you know the playgrounds I love I, I adore yeah. Madrid. How did you like it? Loved it. It was uh, probably one of my favorites for, I don't know, comfortability. It's coming from the U.S. It's it's cheaper, definitely. Yeah. Um, my wife went to uh, school there for two years, so she has a lot of friends. So we had a network. We stayed nice. in a really, you know, uh, Airbnb. I don't know what the, the neighborhood is offhand, but close to the center and, you know, could just wander around. That's one of my favorite things to do. I and not lining up to do anything touristy. I just want to get into how people live in certain cities, go to the grocery store, go to the local cafe, um, you know. But then Madrid has, you know, went to the Thiessen and saw an incredible Roberto Mata. Oh, there you um, go. You found your Matas. Yes. And also <laughs> in the Pompidou, I saw one. So <laughs> two check marks. Yes. Um, in Madrid, there was something that really stuck with me that I saw uh, – I had the day to myself, so I spent some time at the Prado. Um, and in the Goya room, which is, I guess, the black, it's all of his black paintings, mm-hmm. which is pretty intense in itself. Um, there was a man who was on uh, pretty much a bed painting this painting, the Saturn devouring his son with his mouth and doing a pretty incredible job. Obviously, he had an assistant there. But it, it just had, I, it was really moving. I mean, it was really wow. like hopeful and inspiring. And like, he was doing a really good job. And it's like, this is really how art can save someone. And I mean, I can relate sometimes too, like lowest parts of your life. 
well, I still have this, you know, and it still keeps me sane. <laughs> it's so true. And it's almost like, and nobody can take it away from me. Even yes. this guy who is probably paralyzed. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, for the most part. And, you know, you can't take this away from me. That's a beautiful yep. story. I mean, yeah, I, I was, you know, seeing all the art and, you know, and all these museums are, you know, I like to say very crowded. Um, the Louvre was out of control. Like, I, I don't know if I want to go back. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what about that? Like, uh, it's like it was too crowded from the sounds of it. It's hard to enjoy. It's definitely not my thing either. Um, so, you know, you don't like, come on, the Mona Lisa, it's almost a joke. I think, <laughs> how can you enjoy that painting? Um, and how can, like, it's, it just, it's such a, yeah, spectacle, it's not my thing. The Mona Lisa. Yes, it is. I think that what was enjoyable to me was seeing what a spectacle this painting is. Like that is the art in it. <laughs> seeing people wait in line to take their selfie in front of it. Oh, and then it's like people taking their selfie with it. Like I, yep. I guess that's what you got. I guess check mark. You know, I guess we saw it. We did. We did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why it uh, is. It than... is hard to enjoy those massive museums for that reason. Like I, I rarely make it to some of the larger institutions in New York simply because of the crowds. I mean, you, 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 and I went to the moment together. That was really crowded. Really crowded. Yes, and that was like a Monday. It was a Monday. Yeah. And I know we spoke about this, a preferable way of enjoying a museum. I don't know if you want to disclose, but um, <laughs> you can be a little, <laughs> if, if you're taking anything psychedelic, it can be a little um, uh, claustrophobic. A little or, yeah. overwhelming. Not yeah. To, it's not to the, take the away people the and it's not about friendly. the art. But uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something I enjoy doing in New York City. <laughs> yeah, I if you're to... if you're ahead. ever in Milwaukee. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Art Museum is general. Whenever I go back, I'm surprised how empty it is. Really? So that's a good safe safe zone to do something like that. Yeah. I've never... I was about to say um, Munich as well. Munich, Munich is one of the deadest museums really? I've ever seen. They're old, you know, art gallery museum. I went in, you know, late May. But again, that's probably when you were in France. And I, there's literally like three Raphaels on one wall and a Leonardo uh on another wall and i had it all to, like there's like two people in the room that's a beautiful thing yeah. wow yeah so that's an, that was fantastic because to your point i mean it's too much like i i don't really yeah what i'll go to the louvre when it's like if there's another pandemic you know or like, well it's like once it's similar to yeah. like the uh you know music venues like i tell all my friends i don't care who the mm. artist is you're never gonna see me at medicine square garden like i just won't do it Absolutely. It doesn't sound it doesn't Your sound dice, good at Madison Square Garden either. I gotta say, <laughs> Your dice, feel free to weigh in here at any moment, and that goes for anybody who would like to join the conversation here. And Kant is also about to join the stage here. Kant, welcome from Delhi, who is connecting right now. Kant, how are you doing? Hey, hey, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome right to the stage. The spotlight is on you, Kant. How are things going? Great, great, great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, well, is, well, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, thank you for all the support you've given these spaces and also the YouTube show and even the art. I just want to publicly thank you because uh, every little you know act makes a difference here and it's not a notice from my side. So I just want to thank you. 
Wow, amazing. First of all, your work is really good. I mean, as an artist, and also what you're doing for the community is really amazing. Um, so, I mean, the all the videos uh, are really wonderful, very informative. So I want to keep the archive on my own wall on the Twitter. So it helps me to do that. Also, this way the people are able to see the see those archives as well. It, I mean, it's just, I'm not I'm not doing anything special. Uh, well, it's 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 appreciated anyway. So, how's your art going? And have you been? Are you going to any shows? How, how's Delhi for art? I mean, is there a big art museum over there? Uh, tell us a little bit. Are you getting out much? Uh, the, in Delhi, yeah, I think this is a season where the art season is starting. People are starting to make the shows. Um, uh, physical shows mainly, and uh, uh, we have the museum as well. Uh, recently, one of the wonderful museum, which is called KNMA, Kiranata Museum of Art, they have wonderful opening. Uh, since it's a museum, and they, they invited a, a curator, which who created uh, who curated young artists actually. So this is this is really wonderful exhibition where the young artists are being curated in the museum, and they they are kind of um, giving their premises to 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 the young artists interesting and i wonder like do they have the equivalent of these kind of big museums you see in europe i mean the the reason i ask is because you know the history of art definitely does have a western bias to it uh for whatever reason just maybe part of the reason is because these traditions came out of places like you know the netherlands and italy and you know all that sort of thing so what do you know, do the, are there basically really rich people in, you know, Delhi or India that acquire like works, you know, from the canon and bring them into museums there? Or are there not that many museums like of that kind? And maybe it's just more, you know, from the Indian tradition. Uh, help color that in for us a little bit. Mm, I think uh, the private museum, I, I should use the, uh, the word, uh, they are quite rare. Uh, but some people are actually investing into the art, supporting them uh, like anything. Uh, again, I'm taking big in the name of Kiranada Museum of Art, which is called, I mean, KNMA, it's very famous. Uh, there is also okay. another, another museum which is called Devi, Devi Art Foundation. Okay, and, and what do they have there? Like, is, is it like a typical European art museum? Or I imagine it's different, mm -hmm. right? So you'd probably have more... Uh, you know, Indian art from, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Oh yeah, yeah. this is, yeah. So uh, most of the time they curate the uh, the art. They have a huge collection, but they, the, the, the museum is used to showcase the their collections. Uh, and mm -hmm. it, it, it's theme-based, like the subject-based. So they invite, mm -hmm. regularly invite different curators. They bring their own touch and they, uh, they curate those uh, certain section of collection. So they have different different variety, very diverse collection they have in here, from the Western artists to uh, if they could uh, acquire some of the work. Or they, they also kind of borrow from other museums also the work. From the right. West. And there's probably these traveling shows that are really global these days, right? I mean, so you probably get shows that come from London or New York that literally travel the globe sometimes. Like I remember Tutankhamen, I think that, traveled around the world like for a few years yeah so i think the, now the people are in india starting to invest uh, into the art and uh, if, if the collection they have it's huge 
because there is no other way to keep it intact and alive. Otherwise, it will go from it will disappear from the memory of the people. So there is the only way. Uh, if the collection is huge, they must turn it into the museums, the virtual or digital or the physical. There, there is no other options. So I think more more museums are going to come up. Uh, but right now, what I can remember, private museum are two, which I remember, Baby Art Foundation, one of the uh, one of the found, uh, one of the museum which which has the contemporary artists only, mm -hmm. uh, and the KNMA, um, it has all kind of uh, all kind of artists. Fascinating. And as far as a contemporary art scene, like, uh, do you go to like, I mean, here mm -hmm. in Berlin, we're kind of spoiled. We have a, you know, there's, I could probably, I'm, well, it's, it's Wednesday. Yeah, I'm sure there's a ton going on tonight and tomorrow will be even crazier. And that's like a weekly thing out here, but it's not typical. Like in Toronto, there'd be a few shows here and there. Uh, how's Delhi as far as just, you know, contemporary art galleries? Is, is there a scene where you can go out and, you know, meet other artists in person? Oh, I think about this, the rally, Delhi is really rich because we have many galleries here, especially mm -hmm. contemporary art galleries, which are private galleries. And we regular have shows. Mostly the winter is the time of having the kind of art season where we have the uh, India Art Fair as well. Uh, so like the uh, contemporary art from around the world comes here. And also many galleries are making the shows. So, uh, yeah, I mean, People, uh, they want to go uh, to to show, they can go, they can also meet new people, they can meet new artists, uh, they can enjoy the wonderful art. Yeah, definitely, uh, about about art, uh, contemporary art, uh, Delhi is very rich. Well, it sounds pretty exciting. So are you looking forward to any big exhibitions coming up uh, this summer, or do you have any plans to travel, or uh, what are you looking forward to from an art perspective this summer? Oh, amazing. I, I think this is the right time. I should bring that collection I was talking about. So one of the friends is actually uh, making um, a curated, working on a curator project, which is called When Art Has a Voice. This friend happens to be from the uh, South uh, South Africa. So it's, I mean, these are the, this is a show, which is the uh, curated NFTs are there. So he created, he, he wrote a poem, uh, When Art Has a Voice and invited people to respond to this point. Uh, so artists started to submit their artwork. And now the, now uh, there are 60 artworks from the different different people around the world. And uh, they are JPEG, they are JF, they are also the animation as well. So it's being curated. Uh, the art, I mean, the curator's name is Blue to Black. I invited him, but I think he, he's, he's late. So I thought, I think this, I should present the project. Well, feel so, free to feel free to post a link here, uh, and so uh, or tell people how they can learn more about that show. That would be that would be great. I'm curious, Kant. Um, you know, I wonder if because the area that you say that you are from and live in, you know, uh, it must have been it must not have these large institutions, right? Because you know, it's it's an area that was really colonized back in the day. So, you know, if we're talking about anything other than contemporary art in your area, like it most likely has been acquired, you know, or stolen, if you will, by, you know, colonizers and taken to Europe. Um, so I'm just wondering if that's kind of the context behind, you know, having shows that come to you as well as, you know, maybe that's stimulating the future of art in your area 
to say like recreate like you know, a new wave or a new future of art what do you think about that amazing i think this is really amazing to bring this conversation yes uh, people actually are very aware about these things in the in the art fraternity and they started doing working on this already i think 20 or 30 years back so in india they have their own tradition like the, the, the way we see the contemporary art from here and the west it's very different but both both looks like both are the contemporary art but we have different signature from india it's completely comes from its its heritage so i think this this uh, discussions are around but people actually uh, had this knowledge they started working 20 or 30 years back writing things uh, it it bring it brought a lot of knowledge and awareness about the people uh, up in people's mind like the young mind uh, these young mind happens to be now in 40s or 50s so yes this awareness is there uh, people understand the differences also and they i mean uh, they're very much comfortable about talking about these things as well well it's pretty interesting history here and speaking of an interesting history i mean i see chi mosku jackson out in the crowd there. I've sent you an invite to speak. If you are available, I would love to hear about the Kurt Hustle Collective solo show. I got a message. We'll, I, I'll join in a second. So awesome. Because, I mean, to me, that that's a real art world scoop is actually, I assume it's probably the Kurt Hustle Collective's first show on, uh, you know, in, and here's Chi Mosku Jackson. He joins us on stage. Chi, I'm so glad you You've arrived. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Hear you loud and clear. Uh, yeah, man. Things are going good. I'm uh, just pulled up to uh, work, so I uh, don't have too long. But um, I've been, uh, you know, lurking uh, in the background, listening to your great conversation here. Well, lurk away. I'm a bit of a lurker myself, so perhaps I can relate somewhat. So tell us about this show here. I, I assume it's still on. If I were you, I'd probably just leave it on for like at least a month, but I'm sure you guys have your own plans. Uh, tell us about the show. How are things going with the gallery over in downtown Seattle? Uh, yeah, show, the show was awesome. Uh, it was really good to like see people's response to uh, KHC. Uh, <laughs> um, people were really blown away by it. And, um, I think it was, uh, it was definitely something that was different on the, the art walk. Um, and, um, people really, uh, it resonated with a lot of people, um, especially using like, uh, the retro tech. Um, it was like something that people hadn't seen and there was a lot of nostalgia, uh, for that, that kind of setup. Um, it took like, I want to say it took about two months to kind of pull everything together. I had a lot of, um, you know, chats with, uh, J and K and visual Terry, uh, just trying to like hone in what a show could look like. And, uh, at the end, it uh, really, really uh, turned out. So it was, it was really dope. Well, the pictures were awesome. It looked like you recreated the cyber slums there with a pretty impressive accuracy. And uh, were you able to show, I mean, I'm still like, my favorite video art of all time is probably those early Kurt Hustle Collective commercials uh, where they make music and everything. Were you able to show that stuff? Like I saw one of them was on a TV. Yeah. But I don't know if we'd be com competing 
with the audio. So were, were people able to watch those commercials? So they were. Um, so the way that our gallery kind of sets up is like, so I, I, I'm always with the belief. I'm like, okay, I went to art school. You know, I've seen the stuffy art shows. I'm not really about those kind of shows. Um, and so uh, there, there was audio, but it was kind of lower. And we ended up playing um, uh, like a five-hour playlist from all songs from 1997 to go with the theme. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so there was some audio from the commercials, but uh, it wasn't like, you know, people would have to really kind of get close. And I, I referred people Got it. to the digital on Fiber Gallery, which we had um, – going in the gallery so we had uh basically the makeup of the show was we had three crt tvs that were uh hooked up to dvd players and i basically um burned a dvd of each uh set of commercials so there was like the nap commercial and then there was like um there were there was a, a three sets of commercials that are in different categories. So each category of commercials ended up on one of the three CRTs, and then uh, we built that uh, wooden kind of shack sculpture uh, with, and it had another monitor in there that showed the location gallery um, NFT that they created, which basically cycles through a whole bunch of different CyberSum setups. Um, and then we had two projections, one that was showing uh, the postcard series that they have, which is J&K and Terry kind of going through the world, I guess, um, in their right. postcard right. series. And then there was uh, a uh, Debo, which they're calling DBO, which is a play on HBO. Um, and that was on another projection. So they had really laid out a great idea for this. Uh, and then also, I think one of the best things for the show was they actually created stickers and um, a magazine that we were able to give out to the first, uh, you know, 50 or 60 people that came. And I think there ended up being about almost 450 people that came through to that show. So it was a really good turnout as well. That sounds very. Go ahead, Brenton. What I love is um, just the use of all the old '90s televisions, VCRs, speaker systems. Yeah. What was? Did you already have those on hand, or did you guys have to find those? So I had to. I had one. I have uh, one of those CRTs. I end up. I use just on the regular, just because I'm a VHS nerd. So I just uh, watch a ton of videos, and we leave videos running during our art shows. Um, but uh, the other two I did have to source, and uh, that retro tech is becoming a collector's item. It's really expensive uh, in Seattle. I do not know why. <laughs> I think the Seattle Craigslist. Like, you mean like the VCRs and stuff? The actual uh, tube TVs. They're, they're called CRT TVs. And uh, yeah, they're, yeah. Like, uh, they're making a comeback for retro gaming. Apparently, um, with a new TV, oh, they stretch the pixels with like new TVs, but the old TVs are a set ratio. Um, and so- And they're heavy as hell. They are extremely heavy, almost in a forklift to pick those things up. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I was able to source those. Um, and then I had to source the DVD players. I didn't, I didn't buy anything new. So I just used all uh, older tech and I just kind of used Craigslist and some other thrift markets and stuff like that to like get everything together. Um, including the uh, fog machine <laughs> that we had uh, <laughs> kind of coming out of the bear. There was like a barrel that, um, that was in the videos of the cyber slums that um, JNK and Visual Terry created. And so we basically just kind of tried to like recreate that slime burial <laughs> and uh, pushed a lot of smoke uh, out of that thing. And yeah, it was, it was a really great experience. Uh, really spoke to the space, you know, being able to like transport work without having to pay a million dollars for shipping costs. And then also, you know, have this kind of interaction with the international artists um and bring their creations to uh seattle uh to a different audience that would normally never see anything like that so it's just a really really weird and awesome experience it, it sounds like a, it, it sounds like a total opportunity as far as from a gallery perspective that all of a sudden you have a talent like kurt hustle collective and that you can have a solo show but you're still like on the art walk you're you're saying so it's probably some special event I'm assuming yeah. where it's like everybody goes out on some weekend or some long weekend. Right. And then they walk around to 20 different galleries. Exactly. Right? Same thing. And this was actually an, a really big one as well, because the um, all-star games, which is a baseball thing, the baseball all-star games are in Seattle this year. So um, there was a lot of people out uh, on the, uh, walking about. And there was also uh, site specific art installations for, uh, for the baseball uh, set up so there was just a lot of people a lot of art out and it was like completely different because um i basically built a uh a structure which i put black plastic all around to black out the space because uh, i i wasn't sure yeah i wasn't sure if that was like normally no, how the gallery was because they almost look like <laughs> they almost look like garbage bags yeah, or something. i mean like, it really pretty much was it was it was like poly. I loved it. Uh, basically, just a black plastic tarp, and I. It was perfect. Yeah. Like it had the slum feeling. I didn't want to comment on it because I was like, "Oh well, maybe it's always like that, and they're not trying." To... No, it was extra slummy for sure. Um, and uh, <laughs> we just blacked that space out because I had the NFT show the month before, and the all the projections got leached out with the color. So I realized that if I was going to be doing any kind of projections, any sort of vibe in there, uh, I needed to do something about that. So I blacked the space out and it really mm. made a contrast from the other spaces uh, out out in the, in the scene because people, you know, are expecting these bright spaces with white walls and then they come into that space and it's just like dark in the color contrast with uh, the spotlighting uh, creating that kind of special effect and it was a totally different vibe than uh, anything we've ever done um, or I've ever done anyway. And um, just, just a lot of fun. And it was good to work with uh, those guys because they just, they're just really, really smart guys. They have a really good story. Um, it really was interesting to work with an artist with uh, all anonymity. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong mm. because uh, I don't know those guys. And I don't know what they look like. <laughs> I, I just know them by their voices. Um, and uh, I've never worked with an artist like that before. Uh, 
and I think we had to have our first initial contact was just like me, like you guys are serious about what you're doing, or like this isn't just a joke. And they were extremely serious. Like everything was very planned. Uh, they took everything really seriously. I think we were sending emails up to maybe 30 minutes before the show, uh, confirming layouts and everything. So yeah, those guys. yeah they're extreme <laughs> hustlers for sure. They're pro. They are, <laughs> they are pro. Yeah, and I don't know how they create it. They create so much work. They're like machines. Like they have uh, such a work work ethic that's amazing. And um, really, like I said, it speaks to the space. You know how you can that could happen. You know because like I'm not doing any more digital shows other than our on Cyber Gallery uh, for the rest of the year, and we just have all trad artists for the rest of the year. So just all paintings on the wall, nothing really like digital at all. And so I really wanted to like make this show stand out uh, to, to make, it, make it stand out that we are something different than other galleries. Out of curiosity, is there a way that we can see that space or was it documented in any way? Because I really, really wanted to go to that gallery, but I couldn't do to my wedding. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, we have uh, We have video. Um, of the actual event and photos and we are um, I think the best way to do it, we're going to do a post on our Instagram I think that could be the best way to do it um, but I, I sent a bunch of uh, information to um, J&K and he's supposed to be making some kind of montage of the event so I think that's probably going to be the best uh, way to look at it but as of right now our the show is actually coming down um, at the end of the week and we're prepping for a new opening for uh, Seattle Art Fair uh, 2023, which is happening at the end of this month. So we have a new artist coming up for that. That's so awesome. It's, it's really cool to hear about how you set up the space too, because I, you know, my husband and I are very interested in opening up an art center here in Boston. And I would love to integrate an ongoing NFT gallery space in it so that we can mix digital art with physical art. And it just so happens that KHC uh, and his collective, they're like, they're like probably my favorite artist, as you can tell by my PFP and my banner. So uh, yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> I just absolutely love uh, their art. And like you said, the anonymity, you know, and the, the, the humor that they integrate with their collection, like, and then the mystery, I mean, I don't know, it just works for me. I think puppets are hilarious. So it's really cool to hear about how you set that all up. That gives me a lot of ideas for the future. So thanks so much. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, I really uh, resonate with their work as well, because I mean, it's just like, there's all these like sub content, like subtle uh, markers of, of uh, what they're trying to do. And I actually tried to, come up with my own words to describe their work because um, their artist statement was their magazine that they created, uh, which you can get, I think on objects, I think it's like $3 or something like that. Um, and it's like an addition of 50, but um, basically they were saying that the Kurt Hustle collection collective is a, a toxic love letter to corporations and um the tv industry and commercialism so and capitalism so it it was really like me uh 
the way I described it to people is it was like a dystopian cyberpunk uh, landscape uh, that this work was created to fit in that world. And that it's almost similar to like a steampunk, but instead of the steam, their artifacts were from 1997. So their retro tech is 1997 tech for the show. Uh, it always makes me think of uh, Tim and Eric's awesome show. Yeah. Like the same sort of absurdist satire on, you know, yeah, on commercialism. It was so deep in the way that they do it. Like those commercials uh, really speak to me um, because me it's like, so cyberpunk in the way that it's like, okay, this is not a utopia future. Like, yeah, I can save my dreams, but I have to sell my life, my my memories to a corporation. And I have to, you know, all these little steps that happen within their cyberpunk uh, dystopian future that they're presenting with the cyber slums. And it's like similar to like Johnny Mnemonic in a way, which is like, I don't know if you've seen that movie oh with Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> with Keanu, but it's like very dark. It's a dark future. And it's, but it's also like has this fun because they're using the Muppet kind of like personas to, to illustrate. Well, I just watched Johnny Mnemonic like recently, like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, me too. Funny you bring that up. And he's like bragging in there. He's like, I have 80 gigabytes worth of memory in my brain right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember when that was huge. Like eighty gigs is like so <laughs> massive. God, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, so I'm using all these flash drives, and I found an old one that I was trying to like put files on, and it kept saying it was out of space. And I looked at it; it had five hundred and twelve megabytes on the flash drive. Yeah, that's like, classic. What am I gonna? That sounds like a big one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure, that was like forty dollars, like twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I've actually reached out to JNK of being a guest on the show. It was not very good timing for him, but I'm going to follow up because he's like, I think I can get him on, but it, that would be so, it, almost like a scoop like yours there. Yeah. You know, I, I assume it was their first solo show, like in a contemporary art gallery. Like, do you know that? I like, think, did that come up at yeah, all? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly certain that was their first show ever. I, I would say. I'm fairly certain with that. In the way that they had just the class of putting all that together and the um, just the mindset of like putting the installation and laying everything out and formatting everything the way they wanted to, it was really just a pleasure to see that uh, because you know you're you never know with artists. I've worked with so many artists trying to put shows together. And the amount of like respect they had for me and trying to like make sure that this is something that was viable, first of all, but also just in a class of its own was just really awesome to see. Like they are really that serious about what they're doing. And it really does speak to the space because not everyone needs to be a formally trained artist to be able to make art and to express themselves. They really do take so much care in their product, and class is the word. I mean, they're just a really classy uh, outfit, those guys. So, 
Yeah, pretty exciting. And you know, just one last thing actually on Kurt Hustle Collective, because we could spend the whole show. I love actually how we're discussing summer exhibitions, Kurt Hustle Collective, the last quarter of the show here. And I love it. One thing I I actually showed some of their work at this kind of show I did in January of just kind of featuring a lot of the work. Can't remember what I called it. And uh, I tell you, the Kurt Hustle Collective commercials were like the fan favorites or like the crowd favorites by far, you know, like the accessibility of those things. And people just find them charming and hilarious. And the music is excellent. And of course, it's all handcrafted. Like they don't, you know, they don't buy samples, you know, of, you know, off of wherever, like it's all done on their own. And same with all of the like glitch stuff. Like it's, they're the real deal. Definitely. You know? They definitely are. And like, it, it, like my brain, like I'm more of a track, uh, classically trained artist. And so like, just, I can't, my brain doesn't even like comprehend how they make that stuff. Like I couldn't do it at all. I have no idea how they're doing it, but it really is just a really beautiful thing that they're they're doing. It's it's great work. Like the commercials by far are my favorite, but there's so many little projects that they're putting under their umbrella that it, it is yeah. the KHC Corporation. Like they can, I don't know how they do it, but it's it's awesome. It really is. I totally agree. As we're wrapping up here, uh, Chi, uh, so are you, are there any, I mean, you're probably really busy with the gallery, but is there anything in Seattle that you're, is there a big show that you're excited to see? Or are you so kind of, sounds like things are going gangbusters at your gallery. Like, I mean, so uh, is there a big show out there? And if you're not paying attention to that, uh, then what is going on at your gallery? It sounds like it's actually taking off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we, we're always really busy. We have, um, it's basically just me that's uh, like curating and doing the admin, doing everything. Um, but yeah, we, I think the biggest show that we're looking forward to, or at least I'm looking forward to, is the Seattle Art Fair. And um, that's just going to be, it's basically, uh, I don't know if you've been to like, a Biennale or the Armory show in New York or I, I've been to Armory. Armory, yeah. So it's similar to Armory. Um and it's gonna be just a huge event. And um I'm looking forward to uh the ease of hanging the next show because it's just all paintings. So uh that's extremely <laughs> easy. <laughs> and uh yeah I was gonna say you're probably looking forward to that. Oh yeah my God, exactly. I'm I'm looking forward to that with a passion. And then um then I'm gonna go to the uh, Seattle Art Fair, and I got already got VIP tickets, so I'm just gonna go and peruse and drink some uh, cocktails and just enjoy myself and try to, you know, ease out of uh, the digital kind of projection technical difficulties. <laughs> just uh, get back to some some really easy trad shows until early next year when we're uh, gonna start our next NFT show in uh, January. Okay, awesome. And it sounds like you have a booth at the uh, Seattle Art Fair. Is that correct? Uh, we don't have a booth. Uh, we are doing a satellite event. Uh, our gallery okay. is maybe, um, I would say, three to four blocks from the actual event. So it's very close. And um, <clears throat> our building uh, that we are working out of has about two, maybe maybe about five other galleries on the ground floor. And we're all planning to have uh, satellite openings 
for that event just to make it like a hub for people to come to. So you might as well. And it's, it, it's kind of the trend right now anyway, Yeah, like to, to do these kind of satellite fairs. It's like, you know, around the big event and all this sort I of mean, thing. I mean, it costs a lot of money for, for a booth. I mean, we're, that's, we're talking like yeah. $5,000 and my space yeah. is uh, totally artist run and artist funded. So it's me and one other person and we uh, basically pay for that space and we don't have high budgets really and we pay at it for everything out of pocket so uh it's kind of one of those things where if we were to get like some kind of sponsorship uh to like put money down that could be a loss like you know then we wouldn't be mind losing five thousand dollars but like that's typically uh probably about you know 75 percent of our rent for the year or maybe half the year maybe it's about half the year's worth of rent so it's kind of like you know not necessarily worth it for for us but it allows us being an artist run space allows us to do fun shows like khc show and nft shows because we don't really need to worry about the funding um but hopefully that will change in the future you know like uh, the more people we bring on and we do make sales so uh, we have the goals to be in the big show but uh, for right now we're just kind of satellite <laughs> Well, I, I think it, it, it all is, I love the trajectory, the trajectory that your gallery is on. Like every time I check in, we check in with you, it seems like things are going, uh, are, you know, are keep on chugging along in a upward direction. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, I want more and, stuff like yeah. that. I want to work with uh, more artists and have more, um, you know, digital shows for sure. Like I think the on cyber gallery, just the format of it just really makes sense and it's like for a regular artist for a regular traditional traditional artist to just like even take photos of their work and create an on fire gallery is just a huge difference like that's what my takeaway was from it like i've had a few of these on cyber galleries and the last nft show that we had you know like i was able to take photos of people's work put it in a gallery, and then it's accessible to anybody in the world who has the technology to, like, interface, you know? Yeah. You know, that could work, uh, you know, Iridice. That's That might be a good option oh, for yeah. you <laughs> with that. I actually, yeah, I have been really, really uh, working hard on my own cyber galleries. And, in fact, I was going to say, um, you know, uh, my pinned tweet is my what I consider my museum hub for all of the on-cyber galleries that I've made. So for the weekly galleries that I've been putting together of Tezos collections, I have them all connected end-to-end with portals, Mm. so you can just walk through them and uh, see each one. So, and then in my hub, it has portals to, you know, whether I've made a solo exhibit, which I recently did for Ivan Hugo, you can go in there through a portal, I made a spring gallery one that specifically featured KHC, um, Hey Dirocat, Sabato, who's here, shout out to Sabato, and Ivan Hugo. Um, so yeah, I've been loving creating these spaces and sharing them out. It's been absolutely my favorite thing to do with this uh, new hobby of collecting NFTs. So, you know, I look forward to making my own also that you know continues to bring ceramics into the space because um, we 
my husband and I kind of want to see how far we can go with, you know, bringing that art form in. So, you know, that being said, definitely check out um, the galleries that I have and uh, the ones that I'll be continuing to do, hopefully on a weekly, if not bi-weekly basis. Thanks. Well, keep us updated, Eurydice, and thank you for joining us on stage today, and thank you everybody who is listening, and thank you all the speakers here, Chimosku Jackson, with the epic update on the Kurt Hustle Collective show, Kant, Dr. Version. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, anybody? Otherwise, I'll turn it to Runetune uh, for his final thoughts. Anybody, Runetune, any final thoughts on today's show? Oh, every time... Shimasku Jackson comes on. I'm just reminded how bad I want to go visit this gallery. <laughs> My sister lives in Seattle, so I do make I make trips out there all the time. Me too. So Me one too. of these days, I'm going to hit you up in advance, and we will connect. For sure, man. Pull up on me, and uh, just want to say thank you too for doing doing hosting these events and and really, you know. Stepping it up for the community, and um, it is is really it provides content that I pretty much watch daily. So <laughs> I uh, I really appreciate you keeping me on top of the game. Well, likewise, and you're doing wonderful things over there, Chimosku Jackson, and it is truly a community effort over here. Well, thanks everybody, and thanks to everybody who's listening out there. And do not be shy. Come up on stage anytime. And until next time. Take care.